Number 12 from October of 2012. Dreams. I went to bed thinking about what I should write about for this month's newsletter. I had a dream that I was leading a church service, but I couldn't find where we were in the service. I had three different bulletins, and I was just as lost as could be as to where we were and could not find my way. I tried again and again to figure out where we were, but to no avail. Then I woke up. This must be common to pastors because I talked to Chaplain James, and he said he had a very similar recurring dream. This is not the first time I've had a dream with this kind of theme. I have a recurring dream in which I am a guest preaching at some other church. And as usual, I'm not using any notes, but I can't remember anything about the sermon for that morning. I can't remind myself because I didn't bring any original notes along. I find myself lying on my back in the grass in the side lawn outside the church, looking up into the clouds. The acolyte comes out and says, Pastor Cal, you've got to get in there for the sermon. They've already read the lessons. They're singing the hymn. You've got to get in there and preach. And in my dream, I always respond in the same way. I look up with a lost and defeated expression on my face, and I say, I got nothing. That's all I can say. My worst fears have been realized, and I got nothing. Dreams can be funny, weird, or disturbing, and people interpret dreams in many different ways. My own inclination is to set aside all of the extraneous details and look for the one central struggle of the dream. I believe that we cannot shut off our thoughts when we sleep, and our dreams are usually the sign of what we are subconsciously struggling with at that time in our lives. Rather than getting caught up in all the details and the strange inaccuracies, I get more out of my dreams by simply honing in on that central struggle. For example, it doesn't matter to me that the church I am guest preaching at is one I've never been to before and is designed in a very weird way. What is important is the theme of being unprepared and lost, the fear of standing up in front of a crowd of faces that are looking up expectantly, waiting for a word from God, and all I can say is, I got nothing. This is a fear of failure dream and is one of the most powerful fears that human beings have. Some of the other powerful fear themes are fear of intimacy, fear of being found out, fear of death, fear of rejection, and fear of great loss. If we really want to get down to where we live, it is at the level of our fears. Our fears are what hold us back in life and keep us from experiencing the joy that we might have had. For example, I had a classmate in grade school that was so afraid of public speaking that when, when it came time for him to give a book report in front of the class, he would just tell the teacher, give me an F, because he wasn't going to do it. Later in life, I observed that boys are reluctant to ask pretty girls out on a date because they were afraid of rejection. I had classmates in college that could not dance unless they had consumed a certain amount of alcohol. We used to categorize ourselves in terms like, well, he's about a four-beer dance man, and perhaps another was only a two-beer dance man, and yet another was not enough liquor in the world dance man. Our fear of intimacy keeps us from letting ourselves be truly known by another human being. We fear that if people genuinely knew the real me and then rejected that real me, I would be devastated. So we just keep a lot of our feelings and characteristics to ourselves, and then Others aren't rejecting the real me, just the part that I've showed them. The Lord Jesus said that he wanted us to have life and have it abundantly. It is our fears that keep us from having the abundant life. Our fears paralyze us from trying things that might be fulfilling and exciting because we might fail, and then we will look stupid and people will make fun of us and reject us. 
It is our fears that limit the experiences and the joy we might have in life. Our fears even keep us from sharing our Christian faith. Jesus also said that perfect love casts out fear. I don't think that he meant that we will always love him or others perfectly. I believe that he meant that we need not fear anything when we believe and take inside of us the love that God has for us. When we remember the love with no limits that the Lord has for us, we need not fear. If God is for us, who is against us? The scriptures remind us. When we remember that God was willing to go to any lengths to make us right and be close to us, including the death of his own genetic son, we need not fear. When we think of the unconditional acceptance we have in Christ, we need not fear. In chemical dependency treatment, we used to tell the patients that the letters F-E-A-R stood for false evidence appearing real. In other words, 90% of what we fear will never happen. And the 10% that does happen isn't that devastating anyway, especially if you have a higher power like our God. People oftentimes fear where they are in relationship with God, even if they are believing, confessing, worshiping Christians. We have the same kind of dream about standing in front of the Almighty, give an account of our lives and having to say, I got nothing. Then the Lord looks us in the eye and says, you got nothing. You got my son. You got everything you need. That is a good dream, but a better reality.